from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER podcast. It is a critical moment. If we do not act with urgency, we would then severely undermine the liberal order. Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to make a success of it. The wind is back in Europe's sights. We have now a window of opportunity, but it will not stay open forever. Hello, you're listening to the CER podcast. I'm Beth Oppenheim, and today I'm with Luigi Scazzieri. Hi, Luigi. Hi, Beth. And today we're going to be asking the question, where is Turkey going? And also, can its relationship with the West be rescued? So to kick off with Luigi, could you just walk listeners through what's happened in Syria and what Turkey's involvement has been there? Sure. So if we think to the first few years of the of the Syrian civil war, what was happening was that the US was essentially trying to force Assad to step down. What then happened was that as IS became stronger, US aims shifted to fighting the terrorist group. And soon Washington discovered that the only effective force on the ground was the Turkish YPG. And it started providing assistance to the YPG. Now this essentially greatly angered Turkey because it sees the YPG as the Syrian branch of the of the PKK, which is a terrorist group that for decades has been waging uh, an insurgency against the Turkish state. So this was obviously created very much friction between the US and Turkey, and Turkey's own aim shifted from trying to push Assad out to, at all costs, preventing the establishment of a Kurdish-led statelet in northern Syria and began to cooperate more closely with Russia and Iran in that respect. And what was really worrying from from Turkey's perspective was that whereas the US's relationship with the YPG was initially supposed to be transactional, temporary and tactical, it gradually became much more of a formalized alliance with the US seriously considering maintaining a long-term presence in Syria. And to Turkey, this, I think, seemed like a a state-building project. So despite efforts to compromise between the two, for example, by holding joint patrols and in general the US trying to assuage Turkish fears, these attempts are unsuccessful. And what you see in October this year is Turkey launching its offensive into northern Syria, with the US preemptively withdrawing many of its troops from the Turkish-Syrian border in, in what essentially many saw as Trump giving the, the green light to, to Turkey's invasion. And what we have now is a situation whereby in Syria itself, you have tens of thousands displaced, you have the YPG aligning itself with uh, Assad and Russia to protect itself against uh, Turkey, and Russian and Syrian troops as a result of that replacing US troops in, in separating the YPG and Turkey. And Turkey itself was not able to establish the full safe zone that it, uh, it wanted to establish, so it wasn't able to clear out the YPG from the areas it wanted to clear out. So you're left with an unstable ceasefire. And internationally, you have a situation whereby you've had a very large increase in tension between Turkey and the US and Turkey and the EU, and indeed Turkey's reputation being in tatters in the US, I would say. And uh, you've also seen an increase of tensions within NATO. So Macron's own remarks about the brain death of, uh, of NATO are uh, linked to the unilateralism of Turkey and uh, and the US's actions in Syria. 
So what impact did the offensive have on Turkey's relationship specifically with the European Union? So, I mean, specifically with the European Union, Turkey-EU relations have obviously been in a very bad shape for years, largely due to the erosion of civil liberties within Turkey itself, the accession process being completely stalled, as well as negotiations over visa-free travel and um, the uptake of the EU-Turkey Customs Union and Turkish drilling within Cypriot waters. But the intervention in Syria obviously made matters worse. Uh, and, and what happened was that many member states uh, took the decision no longer to uh, sell weapons to Turkey. And the EU also drew up a framework to, um, to sanction Turkish drilling in Cyprus's waters. I mean, despite all this, you have a situation where the EU still needs Turkey, especially in terms of migration. Turkey's hosting roughly 3.6 million refugees. And on its part, Turkey needs the EU. It's especially valuable to have a customs union with the EU from Turkey's perspective. So you mentioned that some member states suspended arms exports to Turkey. Of course, that fell short of the EU-wide arms embargo that they'd hoped to reach in the council. This is just yet another example of the way in which Europe often fails to coordinate its arms export policy. Do you think that the failure to reach an EU-wide arms embargo has revealed divisions between member states on how to manage Turkey? Yeah, so what happened was that member states essentially pledged not to sell weapons to Turkey in the future. It didn't affect existing arms sales. And I think, yes, there is a lot of division, as as on other dossiers of arms sales that you've explored in, in your own research. There are those that prefer to, to engage, especially in the case of Turkey, which is an allied state within NATO, and there are those who take a stricter stance and prefer not to sell weapons anymore. And what about the impact of the offensive on Turkish relations with the US? I would say they suffered even more than relations with the EU, partly because the US-Turkey relationship was even more fraught to, to begin with. So uh, just to mention a couple of the elements on which they already disagreed, there's a big spat about a Turkish-owned um, state-owned bank allegedly evading US sanctions on Iran. The Turkish leadership sees the US as being behind the 2016 coup attempt, a sensation that's compounded in their eyes by the US's refusal to extradite uh, Gulen a preacher in in Pennsylvania, which um, the Turkish leadership considers to have masterminded the coup. So in this mix, then you have U.S. support for the YPG, the feeling that the U.S. has ignored Turkey's security concerns. And this drives Turkey to align more closely with Russia. One of the elements that has created most tensions is uh, um, Turkey's decision to buy a Russian S-400 air defense system, which is incompatible. The U.S. considers this incompatible with NATO systems. And therefore, has kicked Turkey out of the F-35 multinational fighter program, as this would have put sensitive data at risk. Now, the two are trying to solve the dispute. For instance, there is an idea that Turkey might somehow be persuaded not to activate this S-400 system. But um, the signals are not positive. And the issue, really, I think, is that the offensive combined with these other spats has meant that Turkey's reputation in the US has greatly suffered. And many, for instance, in Congress, no longer see Turkey as a fully-fledged ally or, in the eyes of some, perhaps not an ally at all. And, and on the Turkish side, there is 
a desire, I think, to strike a more independent course to emancipate Turkey further from the US. There is a feeling that the global system is shifting away from US power and that therefore Turkey need no longer be so closely aligned with the West. So you've talked about the ways in which Turkey may have moved closer to Russia and away from the West, partly out of a desire to be free from demands to adhere to rule of law and things like that. Do you think that the Erdogan-Putin alliance is likely to endure? I mean, obviously, there are elements on which uh, Turkey and, and Russia cooperate you know, in Syria, but also energy. But, but they also disagree on many dossiers across the region. So, uh, for example, one of the most prominent ones at the moment is Libya, on which the two are supporting um, opposite sides. And in general, Russia is very much in favor of secular strongmen, uh, whereas Turkey is in favor of factions that are loosely aligned with what we'd say was the Muslim Brotherhood. So they're on opposite ends. And um, th- their cooperation is tactical rather than strategic. I-, I think in the long run, what Turkey would like to do would be more equidistant between the West and Russia, but it wouldn't want to be aligned with both. It would want to stand on its own two feet. And so going from now, do you think that the EU and the US can save their relationships with Turkey? So the EU, the main issue at the moment is really that the main irritant is Turkish drilling off uh, off Cyprus. And it's very difficult really to see how that can be solved in the short term and how you can move towards a more positive agenda in EU-Turkey relations. And it's even possible that there would be increasing talk within the EU of suspending Turkey's accession negotiations, which could have you know, an unpredictable impact on, on Turkish politics. In, in terms of Turkey's relationship with the US, if Turkey goes ahead with activating the CES 400, this will have an impact. It uh, may well trigger U.S. sanctions. Indeed, I mean, the U.S. is obliged, in theory, to sanction Turkey for its purchase of, of this Russian system under the Countering American Adversaries Through Sanctions Act, although it's showing some cracks. But there is such an anti-Turkish feeling in Congress that I think Turkey would be very lucky not to be sanctioned at some point to come under some kind of sanction in the near future if it activates the S-400. And this would also lead to increasing Turkish marginalization within NATO. Now, I think there is a limit to how bad relations can get. The EU, as I mentioned, needs Turkey to manage uh, migration. Many member states worry that, for instance, if you did suspend the accession process, you would then be faced with a Turkey that was more erratic and more confrontational. On the US side, you'd rather have a Turkey that's problematic within NATO rather than one that's being pushed towards Russia. And on Turkey's side, as I mentioned, you don't want to fully align with Russia. And at the same time, maintaining good relations with the West or not escalating tensions with the West too much is essential given the fragility of the Turkish economy. So I think in that sense, there are incentives further on to not take steps which escalate tensions too much further. So while there, there, I would expect a lot of turbulence, I would say that ultimately there will probably be a way of muddling through the next few years. Thanks, Luigi. It sounds like the relationship with Europe is probably not replaceable for Turkey anytime soon. And likewise, Europe will continue to need Turkey. So I think it will be difficult for either side to cast the relationship aside completely. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so much for talking to me today, Luigi. And listeners can find your insight one step closer to a rupture on the CER website. So for now, goodbye. Thank you, Beth. Thank you for listening to the CER podcast. If you have any feedback for us or want to leave suggestions for a future episode, then you can find us on Twitter at CR underscore EU.